You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Dr. Tina Show. This time I'm going solo and I'm going to be sharing with you all things about my continuous glucose monitor experiment. For the past month, I have been using the continuous glucose monitor from Nutrisense IO. I chose that company because I've enjoyed working with them in the past. I love the customer service. I love the app that comes with the product. I love the nutritional therapists and dietitians that help you on the app and communicate with you readily about all the questions that you may have. And so that is the company that I decided to go with. So what is a continuous glucose monitor? That is a great question. It's a little doodad that sticks on your arm It has a small, flexible needle in it. It does not hurt to apply at all. I know people get freaked out by needles. It does not hurt to apply at all. You apply it and you put a piece of, it's basically like kinesio tape over the top and that holds it in place. It's quite adhesive. So it actually hurt more taking it off than it did putting it on, to be honest with you. And as we get older, our skin gets flabbier. So (laughs) anyway, you wear this gizmo around for two weeks and it, tells you in real time what's happening to your glucose and your blood sugars. And you scan it with your phone. The app is on the phone and you just hold the phone up over the monitor and you put it on the back of your arm and you scan it. That's it. That's a continuous glucose monitor. So it's really easy to use. I was able to work out with it, shower with it, sauna with it. I did not go swimming with it, but I have done, not just because I haven't, I don't, haven't been swimming, but I have done all of my normal things, exercised, et cetera, absolutely no problems. Um, Never noticed it was there until my dad asked me about it, to be honest with you. It did give me a funny tan line though. So that's a continuous glucose monitor in a nutshell. I have used the monitor in the past and I used it mid pandemic. And I'll tell you what was different then than is different now. Back then I was drinking alcohol, not a ton, but regularly and pretty consistently. I live in wine country, so it's really easy to have a glass of wine every single night. And the alcohol was definitely impacting my metabolism and my sleep. And while, again, I wasn't drinking a lot, it was enough to set things awry. Probably because of the age I am, it was more noticeable. I'm almost 49 at the time I was, you know, what, I don't know, 47, 46. And I'm right at that age where alcohol just is not your friend anymore. (laughs) It just doesn't work anymore, right? For most women, most of my patients in this age group, when I was in my 20s and 30s, they'd say, oh, I I can't drink wine anymore. I can't drink alcohol anymore. It just destroys me. And I'd be like, well, that sucks for you. But here we are. I'm experiencing the same. And so I knew that uh, that was a factor. Also, I have been monitoring my blood sugars for a long, long, long time, you guys, like well over a decade. I've been very keenly aware of what my blood sugar is doing. I get my labs ran annually. So I know where my serum insulin is sitting. I know where my hemoglobin A1C is sitting. I know where my glucose is sitting. And I have tracked my glucose with a, my blood glucose with a monitor, you know, like a diabetic would use inexpensive over the counter, um, blood testing strips and blood sugar testing strips. And I know that when I'm stressed out, my blood sugar goes up. I know that if I wake up stressed out, my blood sugar will be higher in the morning. 
So I've known all of these things and I've been really careful over the past many, many years. I'm talking a decade plus of keeping my blood sugars in check because I come from a long line of little round diabetic people. (laughs) With all due respect, my entire family has visceral obesity and diabetes or metabolic syndrome. And even my mom, who's always had a tiny waist and definitely shaped more like a pear, metabolic syndrome hit her the hardest and it made her menopause miserable. And so I knew going into menopause that I was going to have to train for this. That was one of the big reasons I started strength training when I was 40 was for my metabolism. It wasn't just to look good. It was for my metabolism. And so I wouldn't break a hip when I got older. I have been, again, monitoring my blood sugar pretty closely. So pretty distinctly aware of what spikes it. And then also knowing just because of my knowledge base, what foods are probably not my friend. And so I've always avoided carbohydrates, even even as a younger person, before I knew anything about it. uh, Well, I shouldn't say I didn't know anything about it because I did. I was going to the library, checking out books like Protein Power and The Zone and Atkins Diet when I was in high school, you guys, college, like pretty young. I was learning about nutrition always. So anyway, all that to say... um, it was pretty obvious to me that a low carb lifestyle was ideal. And how low? I don't know. It depends on you. Some people's blood sugar is so jacked up that they can't even look at a prune without their insulin response going off. And other people can lick a prune and their insulin will surge and their blood sugars will get wacky. And other people can eat all the cookies in the world and they're fine. So I'm not going to give you recommendations on grams. That's up for you. That's for you to decide. Work with somebody that you trust to help you guide yourself on that path because I'm not going to tell you to restrict your carbs. I do eat, you know, you guys all know how I eat and I've talked about it a lot. I eat a lot of protein, predominantly red meat. I eat a lot of blueberries. I eat whole fat everything. I think skim milk or low fat anything is just poser. I was going to test some skim milk or some low fat milk for you guys for the, with a monitor, but I was like, oh, hell no. There's no way I'm putting that in my body. <laughs> I just, a lot of people were asking me to test certain foods and I'm like, there's literally no way I would put that in my mouth ever. So no, that's not going to happen. Um, So I've been eating this way for a long, long time and I've been teaching people to eat this way for a long time and I've been teaching my loved ones to eat this way for a long time and I am a self-proclaimed carb addict. I am the first to tell you, if there's carbs anywhere near me, especially refined, especially if it's chips and they're crunchy and salty, they are gone. It's, It's over, it's game over. So I know that I don't have a lot of uh, control over that. And so I I rarely bring it into the house. And when I do, I do it with a vengeance and I get it over with. It always messes up my gut biome, always. Every single time I indulge in refined carbohydrates, my gut gets off for a few days and it messes things up. So I know that this stuff is not my friend. Um, I don't try, I made a post recently and people got their panties in a bunch about it. I don't, assume to replace crappy, refined, you know, garbage foods and packages with the organic version. Like, I think that's so ridiculous. And people are like, oh, but they're organic Oreos <laughs> or they're gluten-free Oreos. I literally saw a naturopathic physician pull out a bag of gluten-free Oreos for a meeting. And she's like, but they're gluten-free Oreos. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is not the way you guys. So 
And I'm not judging. It's just, no, like we got to stop. I can't tell you how many patients I had. I'd put them on a gluten-free diet or I'd tell them to go low carb and they would just replace all their, or I'd tell them to eat more organic and they would just replace all their garbage addicted foods with like the healthier, you know, quote unquote healthier version. I think stores like Trader Joe's are the worst culprits because they take everything and make it look like it's healthy. And you're like, oh, and you're, you know, carts full of snack food is not it's not still not food. So I'm not judging anybody. Don't don't get upset with me, but it's like come on, let's just be real here. This is not sustenance. Sustenance is high density, high nutritional density foods like red meat and whole fruits and high fat Greek yogurt. Not the low fat crap that they try to pass off. I mean, just try to go find whole fat Greek yogurt at some of these stores in more rural areas. Like I was, uh, I don't know, I was out in the middle of nowhere at one time, I think somewhere in Colorado for a conference. And I went to the Walgreens or Walmart and there literally was like two huge refrigerator cabinets full of yogurt options. And there was no whole fat yogurt. I was just like, come on guys. I don't feel like totally screwing up my blood sugar here just because you guys can't get it together. So the world is set against us. You know, nutrition has been so skewed and destroyed that I don't blame you if you're a carb addict, but I'm calling you out right now. If you are, if you're trying to justify it because it's organic and it's gluten-free and it's all this stuff, like a lot of those patients just got fatter Honestly, they'd come back in mad at me and say, well, I went gluten-free, but now I'm more overweight. And I'm like, what What happened? They just replaced all their gluten-free baked goods. I'm sorry, their baked goods with gluten-free baked goods. And then one step further, a lot of people just got into baking, period, and would bake their own stuff, which it's lovely. I understand that a lot, especially grandmas love to cook with their kid, grandkids. I understand that it's cultural. You know, my mom was big into baking with my daughter, but... And I had a lot of patients like this and that's how they show love. My mother-in-law is the same way. But just making a bunch of gluten-free baked goods is not the answer. It's still refined carbohydrates. And in fact, to make these foods taste palatable, and this is important to the topic of this podcast, I promise I'm getting there. Um, To make these gluten-free goodies taste more palatable, they have to be more highly refined usually because as you know, if you've ever tried to cook anything gluten-free, it can taste like... uh, hockey puck. And so really to get these yummy goodies, light and fluffy, like your favorite gluten version, they've got to really ultra refine the rice flour or the whatever flour. So all that to say, these are, of course, these are items that we're going to have once in a while, but let's put them in the once in a while category and get back to the real stuff. Okay. So I had a very good idea of what the outcome of everything was going to be on my glucose monitor. And I can tell you that I wasn't surprised at any part of the journey. Um, I bet you will be though. And I highly encourage you. I, I will say this, probably the best biohacking gizmo ever. I have an aura ring. I have a whoop band. I have a Fitbit. I have everything. If you guys came into my house, you would laugh because... It is like a biohacker's paradise in here. Um, And this continuous glucose monitor from NutriSense just literally hands down, I think is the most helpful info gathering gadget you could possibly invest your money in. And I mean that wholeheartedly. So I would say, you know, any glucose monitor for that matter would be helpful, but their particular platform is so cool with the help of the dietitians and and uh, 
nutritional therapists that are on there, really. These are smart folks and they get back to you readily. And that part was the most helpful for me. Even as somebody as educated as I am, I found that to be exceedingly helpful. And granted, I will say it in all honesty, this episode is sponsored by Nutrisense IO, but that is not why I'm raving about it. I have tried other glucose monitors and I really liked the human interaction piece that I got with this company. Um, I was able to ask them questions and get a response within a few hours generally. If something wasn't working right, I was able to get help. If I had a question about all, the app itself is so cool and it gives you a ton of information and there's a lot of little um, aspects to the graph and to the app that I didn't quite understand. They have got a very dense library of blog posts that I thought was very educational. But if you don't necessarily have the time or you want to dive deeper, and this is the difference. I didn't take advantage of that aspect when I first used it back in 2020. I kind of blew that off because I was like, I don't know, super busy and bogged down with a pandemic. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I don't need their help. Well, this time I decided to really utilize it. And I was just blown away at how knowledgeable and helpful. And while they don't tell you to prescribe to a certain type of diet, they definitely were knowledgeable in the way that I'm talking about eating. And so I found that to be quite valuable. And it was, if I were in clinical practice, though, that I would have every, no lie, not saying this because it's sponsored, I would have every single patient take a month and utilize this gizmo. It would give them information that would blow their minds and it would change their lives because we have to know what the foods we're eating are doing to us and knowing what it's doing to your blood sugar is key. So here's a couple things to keep in mind. This was my take home from all of it. Um, you don't want continuous peaks in your blood sugar all day long. You, you know, if you peak out once a day or so, okay, fine. But you don't want to peak too high and you don't want to peak too often. If you're peaking your blood sugar all day long, you're really, really damaging your metabolism. The other thing is, is you don't want the time under that peak to be very long. So you don't want a long extended peak. You want a quick, short up and down. You want to, your blood sugar spikes, your insulin comes in to meet it. You have an appropriate insulin response. That spike comes down. I sometimes would notice a second blip because my insulin didn't quite get it all the way down, which is normal and healthy. And then I would write it out. If I had a long time under the curve or under the peak, that meant that whatever I ate was really doing a number on my blood sugar. Okay. So keep that in mind as we move forward. So some of the things I noticed that I thought were poignant and worth noting. Number one, Obviously, any refined carbohydrate just destroyed things. <laughs> Whether it was faux noodle soup, yes, there's beef in there. You're thinking, oh, I'm just eating a bowl of noodles. There's beef. I even got the um, salad rolls ahead of time that were full of pork or shrimp or something. I thought that was really, really noticeable. Um, anytime I had, I purposely sabotaged myself with a couple of my favorite, I don't know, carb carb snacks. And so I had a gluten-free pizza that absolutely destroyed my blood sugar handling for the time being. And I'm going to get to what it, it's not just at the time, you guys, it's what happens for the rest of the day for you. Um, what else? I had, oh, I love Annie's gluten-free macaroni and cheese. When I'm really, really in the depths of some stress, I might hit that up once in a blue moon just to kind of get my carb hit. It calms me down completely. It's a very familiar taste, right? Because I grew up eating garbage. Um, that just absolutely destroyed my blood sugar. So I'd get these super huge peaks and they would be a long time under the curve. 
or they'd give me multiple peaks. My insulin was trying so hard and just sputtering out while the peaks just kept going. I wish I could give you a visual, but just imagine a bunch of little like the Grand Tetons instead of one big sharp mountain. And we don't want that sharp peak to be too sharp. We don't want it to go too high. Um, so yeah, refined carbohydrates, not my friend at all, just as I suspected. Oddly enough, if I had refined carbohydrates in a whole food form, such as mashed potatoes or even potato chips, and this was following beef, I was generally fine. And I'll get to that in a moment. But beef matters a lot. And that probably was the best part of this whole experiment was how awesome beef was on my blood sugar handling. With that, I'll say types of protein mattered. If I ate shrimp or chicken, I did not get nearly as good of a blood sugar response as I did with beef. With beef, you barely just saw a little hump. Didn't even matter what I ate with the beef. If I ate a steak and I ate a, I was traveling during the first part of it at a conference. So I was eating steak every night and I would have copious amounts of mashed potatoes. I'd have a few bites of gluten-free cake or maybe a few bites of ice cream and uh, always high quality ice cream. And my blood sugar would go wackadoo if there were a, a lower quality protein involved. So if I ate shrimp, I had a crazy blood sugar spike. If I ate chicken, I had a crazy blood sugar spike. Not too crazy, depended on the carbohydrate I ate with it. But if I, and I don't eat a lot of carbohydrates, but if I ate beef, I could even eat a few French fries or whatnot, and I barely had a blip on my peak. So I thought that was worth noting, particularly, now I love ground beef quite a bit. I think it's uh, accessible financially for most people. I'm not too concerned with grass-fed versus conventional raised. I know people wanna go on and on about the omegas, but I'm telling you in the long game of it all, eating even low quality ground beef is gonna be, in my opinion, so much better for you than 99% of the garbage people put in their mouth. So I'm just going with that, that's my opinion. Um, Ground beef did not give me as balancing of a blood sugar response as steak did. Now I can't afford steak every night. I'm not gonna eat steak every night, of course. And sometimes I can't digest steak every night. I don't have a strong constitution with my stomach. And so sometimes I need something ground because it's like partially digested that way, if you will. And so it's easier for me to digest. But when I ate steak, it didn't matter what I ate after it, I was good. And when I say whatever I ate after it, I'm talking better I'm pretty clean, you guys. I eat better than like 99% of humans, I think. And I'm not saying that to brag. I just, I don't have a choice. My brain, my skin, my gut, everything just goes haywire if I don't really stick to a strict diet. And I, it's not a strict diet. I don't mind eating this way. Like there's no part of me that's like, oh, I'm so sad. I can't eat whatever. Like I don't lament missing foods or whatever. I just don't want to have distension in my gut and a big puffy tummy that hurts. I don't want bad poop. I don't want rosacea. I don't want um, brain fog. I don't want puffy eyes, you know, the puff under my eyes when you wake up. Like that's all contingent on what I eat. So I will take my vanity and my desire to not have pain into mind when I make my food choices. <laughs> So type of protein really mattered. Um, steak was hands down, again, the best player, but any kind of beef was really the winner in all of this. Barely, barely. I mean, there were times when it I couldn't believe I ate a meal. It barely raised my blood sugar. Um, I make homemade ice cream and that does not touch my blood sugar at all because there's hardly any sweetener in it. I don't want to get too much into sweeteners. If you guys want to take a look at my thoughts around sweeteners, check out my Lick the Sugar 
um, masterclass. It's on my website. You can find it and you guys can purchase that and check it out. And that's my thoughts on sugar. I don't want to get in. People are psycho about sugar. They are, boy, talk about addicts. Okay, so how about my sleep? If my sleep was off and this happened, I sleep like a champ. I live out in the country. I'll tell you, if you've never slept out in the country, give yourself a chance to do it once. You will change your life. I was. I grew up in cul-de-sacs and suburbs and then lived a long time in the city, like in the city. And man, is it noisy. I've lived in all types of cities and they are noisy. And there's so many people around. Um, but living out in the country now, I sleep, uh, it's just delicious. <laughs> I freaking love sleep, you guys. I should do a whole, my homage to sleep. I love sleep. I've always loved sleep. There's been a few times in my life when my sleep was disrupted because of chronic, unrelenting stress. One time was when I was filing bankruptcy and a single mom and I was broke and it was horrible. Um, and I was going through a divorce. I didn't sleep well for months and I tr- I wanted to kill myself. I don't know how people don't uh, don't sleep. I, I love sleep. And if you are thinking of killing yourselves because you're not sleeping, please do not. And don't just go to a psychiatrist. Go find a good naturopathic doctor or functional medicine doctor that can help you get your sleep dialed in. Because I promise you, there are sleep is complicated. I That's why I never do an episode on it. Because why you can't get to sleep versus why you can't stay asleep is both very different reasons and it's different for everyone. So Sleep's kind of the canary in the coal mine. If it's off, you're doing something wrong. That leads me to back to the monitor though. If my sleep was off during the times I was traveling for this conference, it screwed up my blood sugar the next day. My blood sugar would be far more brittle, meaning I'd have far more little peaks. Every little thing would set off my blood sugar. Um, Stress would set off my blood sugar. So anticipatory stress in particular, I thought that was interesting or if I was too metabolic in my workouts. But just even like hopping in an Uber, running to a concert, my producer of this show is in a band called Iration and they're like, he's a huge rock star and I had no idea. So we saw them in Idaho and it was amazing in Boise and um, just getting to the show and the stress of it because we were running late and where I was trying to organize people and you know, you know how that goes. Um, huge blood sugar spike. Uh, Hopping in the car here in the country to drive to the airport to get on the airplane because it's such a long journey for me. That was a huge blood sugar spike. So stress definitely sets off my blood sugar. Going back to sleep though, my blood sugar would sometimes just jump in the middle of the night. And there can be lots of reasons for that. But I would say either you're running out of glycogen stores and your body has decided to search cortisol to allow you to release more sugar into your bloodstream. That's one of the things. And so I'm a huge fan of having a snack before bed. I know we're supposed to intermittent fast um, and I will intermittent fast. If I've if I've eaten really well during the day and I've gotten enough protein and I don't need a after or an evening snack or a nighttime snack, I should say. But I sometimes get so busy, just like we all do. I get so busy that I forget to eat. I'm a big forgetter to eat person. And it'll be all of a sudden it's nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't eaten anything that was like nutrient dense enough. I got to get nutrients in. And so I'll pound some protein or I'll pound whatever. Well, it's always protein, but sometimes a little snack before bed, I think can be helpful. And I don't have a one size fits all on this one. So maybe it's a little cheese, maybe it's a little protein, maybe it's a little carbohydrate. I would say play with that and see what, and it's different each night. I am very attuned with my instincts of what I need. And so I eat what I need and then I sleep really, really well. But I do wear an aura ring as well. So I have noticed that between the continuous glucose monitor and the aura ring, and I'm not going to go into the details, but things matched up. 
meaning my, when my body was under some stress, things matched up. And so I thought that was very interesting. And my heart rate variability would dip. My heart rate itself would skyrocket. I'd see that on the aura ring. And then of course my blood sugar would spike. It also spiked interestingly on nights that I had intense dreams. So I thought that was, you know, the body's response to stress is to release sugar into the bloodstream so you can run away from the tiger. And so there you go. That's that's part of it. Um, what else did I notice? I think that was about it. I think most notably was what stress or what disrupted sleep would do to me the next day. I didn't matter what I ate, I wouldn't handle it as well. And I say this because I think this is so critical right now. We are all so stressed out and the brain does not like uncertainty and we are living in a huge time of uncertainty and it's been years. And I realized the other day, I'm like, God, we all have PTSD at this point. Like pause and think about that for a second. And we are, we have been psychologically just over repeatedly and it's not stopping anytime soon. I can tell you that much. And we are sitting in just an enormous amount of stress. I think the reality of all of it is starting to hit people hard. You know, I'm very concerned about the highly vaccinated folks. And I think, you know, people are starting to realize like, oh my God, you know, my entire family is highly vaccinated and what's going to happen. And I'm not going to tell you what I think, but I don't think it's going to be great in the coming months to years. And so I think the reality of all of this is hitting us, right? And then you wake up and you're like, are we gonna be in a war with Russia? What the f is the president doing? <laughs> what, why, you know, I, I'm a lifelong liberal, like traditional American liberal. And it's like, what is my, I'm not part of that party anymore, but like what, where, what happened between liberals and then the far left? Like when did the far left hijack our, our party, right? Uh, and I live in the epicenter of it here in Oregon. And so it's stuff like that. Like it's, and not to get into politics, but come on guys, like this has gotten way out of hand. Things have gotten ridiculous. And that ridiculousness impacts you whether you're aware of it or not. And that's impacting your blood sugar. Now, on top of that, let's add that people are eating garbage all day long. Most Americans are like at a food trough all day. They eat all day long. They eat garbage all day long. And when I was looking, I was with uh, Dr. John Kim at the, you guys have heard episodes with him in the past on this podcast. He's great. He's a good friend of mine. And I was at breakfast with him and a few other folks. And I was showing him my NutriSense app and what my blood sugar was doing as I was eating steak and eggs. And he said, uh, he said, well, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I freaking love this gizmo. I think it's so cool. But then I looked around the restaurant and I was like, I can tell you though, if I'm eating this well and I exercise at the rate I do, which is not crazy copious amounts, I just remain active, probably way more than most people in this country. And I'm again, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this as a legitimate comparison. And if I'm eating as like logistically sound as I am. And this is what my blood sugar is doing after just a few nights of sleep disruption at a conference. Cause you know, you're at a hotel, it's not your bed. The sheets smell like bleach, blah, 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 whatever. Um, you're not eating out of your own kitchen, which always messes me up terribly. I was on the last day of the trip and I was like, if this is what my blood sugar looks like right now, can you imagine? And, and I don't drink anymore, you guys. I don't drink at all. Can you imagine what the rest of this restaurant's blood sugars would look like? It'd be a nightmare. So that is what I have decided after a month with the NutriSense IO continuous glucose monitor that I'm betting my money that the majority of Americans results would be a complete nightmare. 
Now, I don't know if I'm right. And later on this month, I'm going to have a, a nutritional therapist, dietitian from NutriSense come on the show and answer all the questions. So in the meantime, if you have questions for me about this, please hit me up at podcast at drtina.com so that I can ask her the questions when we get there. And stay tuned because we are doing a whole month about metabolism and blood sugar handling. And I'm super excited. You guys can check out the show notes to get my very specific affiliate link for the NutriSense monitor. I actually do not get a kickback from that, but you get, I believe, $30 off. And so I want to make sure that you guys all take advantage of that. I highly suggest it, especially as we're walking into sugar season. I call October the beginning of sugar season because the Halloween candy is upon us. And as I was walking through Lowe's the other day, I realized not only have they moved the Halloween stuff off to the back, but Christmas is front and center. So we're going to go from Halloween candy to Thanksgiving or fall time candy and carbs to Christmas, which is all candy and carbs and baked goods. And then we roll right into Valentine's Day, which is more sugar. And then we roll into Easter, which is like an ultimate sugar bomb in the name of Jesus. So we, as a country, end up, I believe, probably eight or nine months out of the year getting hammered with sugar front and center every time we walk into any store. And so I want you to keep that in mind. Now is the best time ever to put a continuous glucose monitor on. Click the link in my bio, check it out, do it for yourself. It's well worth the investment. And again, favorite biohacking tool, hands down. This is what I've learned over the course of a month, and I hope it's helpful to you. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.